future is Mecca. In the previous episode, your 94 wasn't free. You owe me. Show that baby who's the sim lord. Calling the baby had thrown off my reflexes. I was the one who had to recalibrate. If you don't sim, you should know Rock Dog is what everyone calls the Glurk Asteroid Mining Trainer. The Cakers were finishing Common Stream. And with a stellar 94! Your mother would be so proud of you. No, I shouted. No thinking. Just kittens, kittens, kittens. A mecca without jets. I think you should come to group with me. Then I looked out across to the city where the towers glowed with the lights from millions of windows. The next morning, I locked in my stream selection over the standard basic juice, basic toast, and basic flakes breakfast. I didn't want to visit Admiral Cooper so soon after his maritime misadventure. I did end up choosing the technical instead of the vocational stream. All my searching, mainly interviews with sim designers, made it obvious I would need it. I gritted my teeth and ticked the technical box. How old would I be by the time I got through it? Do it for the sims, Praxit, I told myself. Dad was sitting on the chair in his bedroom lacing on his pilot boots. I waited outside the door with his tablet. I didn't like going in there because of the photos he had on the walls. Don't say anything, I said, handing him the tablet as he came out. I followed him down the stairs as he tapped through the screens. He did say something, but it was only good choices. When it was time to leave, we were in the front yard, same as the day before. After fiddling with his bike, Dad had inspected the baby. He poked at the back of the legs where the jet intake should be and rumbled. He knocked on the front of the leg and waited. You don't have the special touch, I said, and knocked. We watched the whole hand-lowering routine like we were final-round dance judges. That's all really smooth, he said. So the problem's not in the servos. The whole boarding process is pretty weird. Non-standard, you might say. So it might be a separate circuit, maybe not involving the Glurk cockpit links. Okay, if I have a quick pilot? Sure, I said. He stepped on the hand, but nothing happened. He stepped off, then back on, slapped the thumb, yelled, Up! Lift! Hello? But the baby didn't budge. He stepped off. Maybe it's my weight. Is expecting yours? I stepped onto the hand and it lifted me up to the cockpit, smooth as every other time. I stowed my bag and wriggled the controls as he stood below and wrapped his safety collar around his neck and latched it. It would expand over his head and shoulders and down his spine if he came off his bike. We sometimes use calibration frames if we're doing fine work, he called up. Stand in it, touch a series of points. Maybe you can come up with something like that. Gotta go. Love ya. I made our love ya sign at him. It's really just the loser sign. Your finger's making an L at your forehead. But you also thump your chest twice with the other hand, kind of like a heartbeat. My brain always whispers, Love ya, you big loser. But it's the affectionate loser. After Dad zipped away on his bike, I thought about calibration frames and what I could use. The front of the house was nice and flat with lots of window corners to touch but I doubt Dad would like to come back to a half-destroyed house. The only other flat surface was the mecha pad I was standing on. It was worth a try. I shut the canopy and staggered off the pad. It took some drunken shuffling, during which I nearly did clip the house, to get turned around and facing it. Like me, you might think the thing could squat seeing how that's what it did every time I knocked. But as soon as I started moving down, I could feel it getting unstable. I tried compensating with the arms, but they did exactly the wrong thing. 
For a moment, I thought we were going to fall over backwards, which would be a disaster. But the arms jerked in the direction I was pushing them as I straightened up, and we pitched forward, cockpit first, onto the pad. You'd think I'd know better, but I wasn't strapped in, so I crashed into the canopy and gave my left shin a mighty whack on the console as I tumbled. Yeah, that was stupid. I blame swimming. I never strap in there. Most people never wear straps in their meccas unless they're heading onto a sports field or a dance arena. At least I lived in a dead-end street, and only the Sawyers across the street can see into our front yard, so minimal witnesses to my epic failure. How are we going to fix this, I said to myself. Calibrating, said the baby. It really is a baby. A proper mecca wouldn't fall over like this. Calibrating, calibrating, calibrating. You're such a help, I said. I climbed up on the console. From there, I could just reach the arm profs. The baby had fallen with the left arm out ahead and the right out to the side. The ground was limiting their movement to a single plane, so I was able to get them both reaching up overhead, though there were still some jerks and spasms. From there, I pulled the arms down towards the shoulders like I was going to do a push-up. The cockpit started to rise. I let the waist bend. There was some shaking, but the torso rose close enough to vertical where I could get into the seat and strap in. Getting the baby up was tricky. It was those short arms and legs and its stupid belly. I had to push up hard and get a leg underneath. It took three tries. The first two ended with a hand slamming back down onto the pad and me slamming against the straps. On the third go, I got upright tried to step into a balanced stance and staggered across the pad and into the strip of sink trees between our yard and the Lau's yard, snapping some heavy branches. I was stopped by the trunk of a tree. Good thing they're so solid or I would have ended up in the Lau's kitchen. I was up. I was sweating. I was running late. I got messages from Azalea and Coda asking where I was and that I better not be staying home. I looked at the branches hanging from the trees and the cracks and chips in the pad where the cockpit had hit it. Got distracted doing yard work. On way, I replied to them. As I headed out to the ring road, I noticed that none of the canopy panels were scratched. Definitely not plexi. Whoever built the cockpit must have known the thing would be hitting the ground a lot. Since I was running late, the streets were empty of kids and it was just me and the odd commuter. The walking was as fun as ever. I tried a new strategy. Keep it simple. Let the leg in the air go where it wanted until I needed to put its foot down or balance started to shift. It was less work from the inside, but from the outside it must have looked totally chaotic. The arms added to the chaos vibe. The left arm decided it wanted to be straight up in the air like a waiter carrying a tray, so you could say the calibration was a successful failure. The right arm wasn't causing trouble, it just hung there, twitching. Learning Place 548 and its recreation zones are cut into New Whitehorse's outer green ring. There's 60 meter high sink trees right up to its edges. Instead of going into the mecha stand, I stomped in amongst them. There were no branches lower than 20 meters from the ground, so it was pretty easy to collide and rebound my way until I was in the shadows. You wouldn't spot the big baby unless you were looking for it. The only reason I stood it there, deep in the trees away from the school, was because I was absolutely ashamed of the stupid thing. I hit standby and grabbed my bag. Stand by, pilot practiced, the baby said as it brought its hand up. Getting closer, I said. Closer, it said, and nearly knocked me back into the cockpit with its hand. Not your hand, my name, I shouted at it. Hand cancelled, it said, and dropped its hand. Bring back the hand! Hand! The hand came back up. Just put me down and stand by, 
and maybe lower your left arm. Calibrating. As it lowered me towards the ground, I looked for any damage from the pad impact. Not a scratch or a smudge or a mark anywhere on the cockpit, the chest, or the arms. If its body was green all the way through, I don't think I would ever know for sure. Pounding it on reinforced concrete didn't even scratch the surface. I was late enough that the hull drones were waiting as I walked in the main doors. Coda and Azalea were already in their stream rooms. Everybody was. Just about everyone took the media stream because everyone wanted to be a Veer star or even a screen star. Acting, dancing, singing, vlogging, hosting, vreaming. Most of the global tier simlords vream their matches. I'd be vreaming, but Dad's like, You can wait until you're old enough to apply for your own license. Year before last, a syndicate called V-SIM Star Network tried to get me a license. But Dad deleted the authorization notice and gave me another lecture. He said he was protecting me. But I think he didn't want me making money when he wasn't. My new stream room was 33A, the entire south side of the top floor of Wing 3. While Leopard, the learning guide, who had to be my dad's age, going not just by his name but the way he looked, ticked boxes on his tablet, I scanned the room for Azalea. She had messaged me that she was in this room and there were seats at her table, so I was pretty excited about finally being with friends. A tiny hand was up in the air and waving a flashing mini-tablet at the far end of the room. Below it was a head of yellow, orange, and blue hair. I waved back. Let's find you a table, Praxit, said Leopard. With his free hand, he twisted the end of his long hair around his pencil while he made sucking noises and looked at the tables around us. How about up that end, I said. No, no, said Leopard, walking in the opposite direction. Follow me. I've got the tables organized in what I call a learning continuum. Learners entering the stream begin at this wall up here, and as you progress through the sections, you advance through the room until you reach the other wall right the way down there. Down there is where you'll be when you're ready to develop your own media. It can be quite collaborative, and collaboration can be distracting. Up this end, when you're learning, there won't be any interruptions. Here's your table. There are five kids sitting around it. Three girls were all sitting on one side next to each other. On the other side were two guys sitting with an empty chair between them. Leopard tapped on the table with his pencil until all the kids pushed up their veer sets. Jumana, Pilly, Florette, Van, Oswin, he said, pointing at each kid as he announced their name. Praxin is joining your table. Say hey. They all mumbled hey and hi, except for Oswin, who gave me a yo, Neef. I held up my hands and wiggled my fingers in a wave. I didn't know any of these kids but I bet they all saw my disastrous tryout yesterday, either from the sidelines or in a share, and that share was probably in slow-mo with a funny soundtrack and explosions and a horde of Connors popping in to flap their hands and smack their foreheads. You're quite late, said Leopard. So if I was you, I would jump straight into the introductory tour followed by the first presentation on media history. I pulled out the chair at the end of the table. I didn't want to squeeze in between Van and Oswin. I put my bag on it and got out my Veer set keyboard and pencil. Do you want me to send it to your veer set, or can you find it? Said Leopard, who was twirling his hair with his pencil again. I can find it, I said. Great. Everyone, make Praxit feel welcome, and I'll leave you to learning. He walked away, and I sat down. 22.30? Said Oswin. He was a thick-set kid with a standard veer set undercut. The hair above his ears and around the back of his head, clipped short so it wouldn't catch in the veer set straps, was bright orange. The rest of his hair was fluorescent yellow. Yeah, I said. Cool, said Van. He had an enormous forehead, or maybe his black hair just started really far back. He was also one of those pencil spinners, and even now, while looking at me and talking to me, his pencil was a white blur dancing around his fingers. 
Are you the one with the little fat green mecca? said Florette. She had a thin face with a pointy chin. If she wasn't wearing a yellow dancer's onesie, her posture, perfectly straight with that chin up and out, would have made me guess she was a mecha dancer. I saw your tryout, said Pilly. It was hilarious. Pilly was also in a yellow dancer's onesie, so probably in the same ensemble as Florette. But she was a head shorter than the other girl and had curly hair that was almost the same red as the icing on my cake last night. It was the top share for like hours yesterday, said Jumana. She had blue hair longer than leopards and pulled back in a ponytail. She had a nice big smile, and I think she was being friendly rather than sneaky mean. But what she said still made me groan. Don't worry, she said, seeing my response. You weren't even tagged in it. It was total chaos, said Van. A real beatdown, Neef, said Oswin. Why haven't you got a hard vac ranger? It's what you sim, right? I've never seen such a little mecca, said Florette. I didn't even know they made them that small. Then why does it walk so funny, said Pilly. I better start veering the intro, I said, and began to put on my veer set. First section is basic, said Oswin, pulling down his set. But easy. I bet you get even more than 94 on it. I pulled the veer set over my eyes and flattened the phones against my ears. I don't want to see or hear anything about the baby or my high scores. Oswin had a point, though. If I was smart, I would keep my scores up. A second 94 would make the first one look less suspicious. No secret slow brawls during learning sessions for a while. I was going to have to concentrate, treat my streams like a sim grudge match and give them my all. I launched the media stream intro session. I think, because everyone does media, they make it as boring as possible. Concentrate, Praxit, I told myself as the intro began with, can you believe it? Lines drawn on a stone flake. Then it went into cave paintings, and then people started painting everything with animals and patterns and shapes, until they got bored with that and started pushing shapes into clay, and then that turned into writing in clay, except it didn't look like writing. It looked like someone dropped a box of nails in the mud. It was the boringest veery ever. Just scans of these things you can spin around and zoom in on, while the voiceover plods on and on. I used my pencil to set a clay tablet spinning so fast it was a brown blur. As the session points popped up, I dragged them all to my spaced repetition notebook. I was going to learn every basic point, even if it made my eyes cross. I doubled the presentation speed, and I was still only up to the medieval theater forms when the stream break bell sounded and the veery paused itself. I saw your rock dog game last night, said Jumana when I flipped up my veer. Everyone was digging snacks and drinks out of their bags. Me too, said Van. You were winning until you pulled out, said Jumana. Want a strawberry? They're organic hydroponic. She slid over a glass tub of deep red strawberries with green leafy caps. Thanks, I said, and took one. It was sweet, but a bit watery. Not as good as the ones that used to grow in our backyard. Can I have one? said Oswin. You've got plenty to eat, Oz, said Jumana. He had a tub of yogurt, two nut slabs, and a large bottle of banana protein drink in front of his keyboard, but he still whined. Rock dog, said Pilly. Rock dog? That's so basic. We only read dance content. When we're not competing, said Florette between pieces of chocolate. Competing, said Van. What tier? Praxit's global. A simlord, said Oswin through a white gaping mouthful of yogurt. Florette just sniffed and turned to chat with Pilly. That sequence last night was chaotic, continued Van as he opened a packet of happy pig vat pork floss. Boom here, boom there, carnage in between. 
Why'd you pull out? Network fail? I thought of my dad standing there with the cake box. Got interrupted, I said. Van nodded as he pulled tufts of shredded protein from the bag. He thought he understood. Your parents don't respect your art form, he said in between chewing. I'm going to go to the bathroom, I said, and left the table. Just a little strawberry jumana, please, Oswin said as I headed towards the door and into the teeming corridor. I was three steps down the corridor towards the bathroom when I heard the first call of, Yo, dim lord. Oh, man. It followed me the whole way. Some kid even fell over in front of me and thrashed his arms and legs. He thought he was hilarious until one of his friends, also trying to be hilarious, landed knees first onto his back, just like Risto in his skydrop. For the second time in two days, I found myself hiding in a stall waiting for a bell to ring. I needed a disguise or something. Leopard arched his eyebrow at me from across the room when I opened the door with the hall drones at my back, but he didn't say anything. That's what you want from learning guides. No fuss, no drama, and the right answers to the occasional questions. Miami could learn from him. My table already had their veer sets back on. Osmond was sipping on his large protein drink while navigating with his pencil, swiping its point against the surface of the table. Maybe he was spinning a clay tablet like I did. Nah, he was probably way ahead of me. The second half of the stream was as boring as the first. So much theater. So many woodblock prints. The printing press section was interesting, but I was relieved when the voiceover started to talk about photography in the first movies, or moving pictures as they were known. That meant I'd almost reached the 20th century and screens would be covered soon. We all got interrupted when Pilly and Florette called Leopard to our table so they could test out. Bye, everyone, said Florette as she and Pilly gathered their stuff. You might be back, said Jumana. She had pulled the band out of her ponytail and was sweeping her blue hair back up into a fresh, neat tail. Please, said Florette as she left to follow Leopard to the testing desks, like we would fail intro. We'll wave from our higher table, said Pilly. After they're out of earshot, Jumana said, Why test out now? I wonder what we did to offend them. They're just going to vream Lyrica routines at a different table. It's all they ever do. I didn't want to hear that. I pulled on my veer set, settled the phones, and turned the volume up. Lyrica was my sister. I bet Florette didn't like being out-tiered, I heard Van say. The voiceover started in with, The first radio broadcast for entertainment was in 1906 and I kept increasing the volume until it drowned out their voices and my thoughts. With the presentation set to double speed, the session was more like a basic sim. Could I drag all the important developments in radio and early cinema to my repeater before they disappeared, while also taking in what the voiceover was saying? It made the second half of the stream go by quickly, and I was about to reach the beginning of the television era when the session paused and the lunch bell rang. What's your afternoon stream, said Jumana as we packed our bags. Technical, I said. She guffawed. Is it really as hard as everyone says? My mentor sister's in her second year of tech, said Van, and she says it's a real brain pounder. It's my first session, I said. My mini-tab buzzed. Azalea was heading my way. I gotta go meet someone. See you peeps Monday. You've got the marks for tech, Neve, said Oswin behind me. I wish I did. Everyone was heading towards the door, so I headed towards the windows. Azalea did the same, and we met in the middle of the room, between the tables and a view across to wing four, and down into outside three, where kids were already flowing out to grab tables or running for the stands and their meccas. 
Azalea gave me a crunching hug around the upper arms, making the spot where she punched me yesterday ache. Stream buddy! She shouted in my ear. How's the first session? Ready to test out and up? I need you on my table. We followed the backs of the learners into the corridor. I'm going double speed, I said. I'd go quadruple if I could. That'd be all. I said Azalea in a high voice. What section are you up to, I said. Fourteen. Fear authoring tools, object creation, scene placement, that kind of stuff. Fourteen. I groaned. That's a lot of sessions. A lot of tests. It's going to take forever. You'll be there in no time. And hold on. She looked at her mini tab. Coda's got a window table at the eat space. Quote, faster. The hordes will devour the good stuff. We started down the stairs. I am starving, I said. I was hungry. All I had at the session break was the strawberry Jumana had offered me. I saw the green top in my pocket because I didn't know what to do with it. I was hungry enough to find out it was edible until I saw Enu leaning into the corner of the landing, hands in his pockets, his red Ari glasses watching me come down the stairs. He stepped out as we came by and went down the rest of the stairs with us. Azalea, Praxit, he said. What's happening, Enu? said Azalea. We are walking down the stairs, said Enu. Together. I wasn't sure if that was a joke or just Enu being a freak. Yes, said Azalea and laughed. And now we're walking down the hall. Together. No, said Enu. No, said Azalea. I need to speak with Praxit. Alone. Azalea gave me a quizzical look. I shrugged like I didn't know what was going on. What Enu was about to hit me with. You go before Coda gets frantic, I said. I'll be there in a second. Yeah, Enu? It will not take long, he said. Better be quick or you'll be eating mystery protein with leaves, Azalea said, and punched me almost gently goodbye in the chest. She looked for a moment like she was going to punch Enu too, but then she thought better of it and turned and walked off. Follow me, said Enu, and he walked into the nearest stream room. I followed him between the tables as he headed towards a fire door. He stopped with his hand on the push bar. We're taking a shortcut, he said. That's a fire door, I said. You'll set off the sirens and service mechas will come. But there is no fire, he said, and pushed the door open. Nothing happened. We stepped out into the chatter around the tables of outside too. Everyone was too busy grabbing seats and starting lunches to notice us. See? Keep walking and tell me what you've learned, he said. We weaved through the tables and stopped outside a fire door leading into a classroom in wing two. There were no bars or knobs or handles on the outside, just a metal strip covering the gap between the two doors. Enu pulled something from his pocket. I thought it was a knife for a moment, and it gave me a little danger hiccup, making me jolt like I was about to run. But I just stayed there. I could run from a knife, but I couldn't get far enough away to be safe from what Enu had on me. Then he smacked the thing against his hand, and I saw it was a scraper of some kind, like he'd been in a craft stream and kept it. I'm waiting, Praxit. He was watching me through the red lenses of his glasses, except for the occasional upward darting of his eyes. I didn't have time to ask him last night, I said. The right moment didn't come up. I don't care about right moments, said Enu. He turned, slid the scraper behind the metal strip and pried open the door. He stepped into the room while I just stood there and swallowed and wondered how I was going to get out of this dire situation. Come on, the door sensors will reactivate in a few seconds. There will be sirens. I stepped in and followed him past the session tables to the stream room door. Maybe tomorrow I can... Not inside, said Enu, interrupting me. We crossed the corridor and went to the next classroom, to the fire door there. 
where he didn't stop. He pushed right through it, and we're an outside one. Monday, Praxit. That gives you the three days of the weekend to get the data I asked for. The invigilator is sniffing around your 94. I'll message as soon as I get it. Don't be stupid. I'll find you on Monday. Don't think about staying home, he said, and he walked away. I was outside the doors of the eating place. I walked in, kind of stunned. And Coda was sitting right there at a table under the windows with two empty chairs. Praxit! Where's Azalea? I said, trying to get my thoughts together and hide my stress. Not here yet. You seem to have beaten the horde. Get to the line before the best goop is all gone. Want more features, Mecca? And want it sooner? Visit patreon.com slash futurismecca.